Make sure if your kids are heading out that they've got a tag on them right now. Well, the, uh, the video that we watched just a minute ago really sets up um, what we're going to be investing some time and energies in here in the next uh, four Sundays, which are the four Sundays of Advent. And for us uh, at Wellspring, this is... How are we doing there? <laughs> for us, this marks the fourth year that we've participated uh, in a movement that's involved uh, local churches around um, the world uh, in this movement called the Advent Conspiracy. Some of us have been here from the very beginning of that time, and so we've had kind of three Christmases under our belts. Um, many of you may have, have really made some significant changes in the way that you celebrate uh, Christmas. And, um, but one of the things we need to keep in mind is that each year that we're here, um, there are new people coming through our doors. And so for some of you, this might be the first year you've been at Wellspring during Christmas. So you're hearing some of this information for the first time. So I want to welcome uh, all of you that are, are new to us in the past year and just want to let you know that we're really excited to share some things with you, some things we feel like we've got has kind of opened our eyes to um, as far as kind of the truer meaning of what Christmas is all about and uh, to have you with us on that journey. Um, we're excited about that. The central question of this whole movement uh, that we're going to be talking about is really this. What does it mean for us to anticipate and celebrate the birth of a Savior in meaningful and faithful and appropriate ways, keeping in mind that this is a Savior who was born poor uh, in a manger? How is our expression of worship during the Advent season honoring to that humble way of God coming to earth? And more importantly, how is it different? How are we as Christ followers uh, living out a different life than what the world lives out during this kind of holy uh, season that we're in? The disturbing reality for a lot of us, whether we want to admit it or not, is that our culture has trained us in a lot of ways of what it means uh, and how to celebrate Christmas. And so um, there's a lot of deprogramming that has to go on uh, in our hearts in order to align ourselves more fully with the spirit of, of God's incarnation, of him becoming flesh and coming to this world. And whether we realize it or not, um, Christmas maybe more than any other time uh, throughout the year, we are training our children, training the next generation if you don't have children, <laughs> about what it means to be human beings, about what it means to, to care for people around us. And to be honest, I've shared with you uh, a lot in the past um, my wife, Kristen, and I, we've been Christians our whole um, marriage and as we've had children. And um, as, we look, as I look back over how we've, we did Christmas for a lot of years, um, we really tried to keep Christ uh, involved in our Christmas. We did the whole birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas morning and, you know, prayed before we opened the gifts. But, um, you know, to really be honest... By the time that we got done with most of the Christmases with our children, especially when they were small, um, we really, what we were ingraining in our kids was that Christmas was really about you <laughs> and about you kind of getting and fulfilling whatever needs or wants that you had. And, and obviously our extended family kind of around us kind of helped with that. <laughs> it's tough to get everybody on board with creating a new normal for what Christmas could look like for your life. And so over the past three years, we've been involved in Advent Conspiracy. We've been kind of slowly trying to pull ourselves out of um, 
you know, that culture that we live in that says if you don't consume, then you don't celebrate. And it's kind of just self-focused overindulgence. And it's been a slow battle for many of us to kind of turn the tide of that. And some of us aren't, like I said, aren't just battling America and kind of the culture of consumerism. A lot of us are, are battling extended family, you know, especially grandparents sometimes, right, who, who, you know, overindulging and spending all this money on Christmas is kind of like a, you know, rite of passage for, for grandparents, I guess, or something. It's, it's just kind of crazy, one of the messages that God sent us at Christmas was that he came to engage us relationally. God knew that we were uh, a sinful and broken people living in a fallen world. And so he knew that we needed a savior, someone to come and redeem us and restore us, to help us understand what it means to live an abundant life in these days that we have here on earth. And so when God wanted to save us, he didn't send us all gift cards to our favorite stores and say, hey, you know, here, go soothe your pain, you know, go find meaning. When God wanted to, to really meet our needs, he sent himself. He put skin on. He became a human named Jesus. And because of God's love for mankind, he humbled himself and he became poor. And if you think about Jesus' life, his life was totally unencumbered by any material possession. When he was hanging on the cross, he didn't, he didn't have anything but the, but the clothes on his back, you know. It doesn't say that, you know, while he was there, he took off his Rolex, Rolex and handed it to his disciples and said, you know, make sure that, you know, the guy that worked in my car gets this or, you know, here's the keys to my chariot, you know, make sure that that gets passed on to somebody. He took nothing, nothing to the cross. He was totally free to live his life for others. And though he was poor by the world's standards, he lived his life to make many rich by his offer of grace and forgiveness and love and eternal life through his death and resurrection. And you see, to a lot of people in America, Christmas is just another holiday. It's, a, it's another great excuse to, to get some time off of work, um, you know, maybe even to, to spend some time with some family and, and, to, and to give some gifts to people. But for a lot of other people, like many of us, Christmas is really the whole basis of our lives. The narrative of the incarnation of God coming in absolute vulnerability as a baby and then growing up and becoming a man who would die on a cross in utter humility to give us all the opportunity for eternal life. As Christians, that's our story. And so the question becomes, how in our celebration of that story are we living in concert or in unison with that message? Or is there a disconnect and what we say we believe about Jesus and, and, and Christmas and what that means for us and then how we actually live when we get to that season every year. Because our story, the story of, of the Bible and, and the cross, it's a story that invites us into a totally different way of living, not just a, a celebration of, an, of a holiday once a year. The story of the gospel, as you read it, is also a story of quenching thirst, Jesus uses the imagery of water. We sang a great song this morning, the woman at Jacob's well. And John 7, 37, it said that Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You know, we live in a world and amongst a people, we're surrounded by people, we're these people, who were thirsty for a lot of things. We're thirsty for love, we're thirsty for hope, we're thirsty for purpose and meaning, thirsty for forgiveness, thirsty for genuine community. 
And these are all spiritual thirsts and spiritual realities that we can only find in Christ and in his church. But we also know that we have this physical thirst reality as well. Every one of us, when we get up on a daily basis, at some point during the day, we're going to get thirsty. And we're going to need something to drink. Water is an essential element of our survival. And for almost a billion people in the world, access to clean water uh, is a challenge, a, a daily battle for them to find. And I'm afraid that people won't really, really care what we have to say in terms of spiritual thirst if they're dying of physical thirst along the way, or at least dying from the contaminated water that they are drinking. And as you saw in the video, because uh, you know, clean water um, is this solvable problem, and something that we can overcome in this world. Advent Conspiracy, this group of churches that got together, they partnered with this organization called Living Water International. And they are going around um, building and drilling wells uh, in developing nations in over 25 countries around the world. Just to give you an idea of, the, of what this uh, problem of clean drinking water, how that how impacts people's lives, it says the annual number of deaths from water-related diseases is six times greater than the number of deaths from armed violence. 1.8 million children a year die from chronic diarrhea as a result of drinking contaminated water. That's almost 5,000 children a day. To give you an even more alarming example, so many children in the nation of Liberia in Africa die from water-related diseases that the parents have stopped naming their kids until they are two uh, because the infant mortality rate is so high. And so for a lot of us, as, as our eyes have been kind of open to, to an issue like this, which is a solvable problem, you saw the grid, right? The amount of money we spend on Christmas in a year uh, compared to what it would cost to just solve clean water for everybody. Um, that's just really unacceptable. We can't continue to live kind of blind to these realities. I want to show you uh, a video of an African country uh, called Burkina Faso and the work that Living Water is doing there to give you an idea of...
Living Water um, understands that until you uh, meet people's physical thirst, uh, that you can't really address their spiritual thirst. And so you got to do those two things in concert with one another. So as a people who are supposed to be representing Jesus in this world, the, the hope of the world, can we really sit back and allow these solvable problems uh, to continue while we go on just kind of doing Christmas the way we always have and giving each other a bunch of stuff that we don't really need and while others might be saved by reallocating our spending towards life-giving projects. And for many of you in the past three years, you've really taken this message to heart and begun kind of looking at the way that you spend and the way that you celebrate and, and have begun to kind of set aside some money at Advent uh, to donate. And over the past three years here at Wellspring, we've collected uh, about $36,000 at Christmas. And we've sent 25000 of that um, to Living Water, where we've drilled uh, five wells in the nation of El Salvador. Um, and so in a little, several little villages in El Salvador right now, there are wells that have a little plaque that say this well was donated by Wellspring Community Church. Several of us have also traveled there and helped drill the wells, and we've visited. Um, I know the first trip that we took, we visited a village where there was a, a river that came by, which is where they went to go get their drinking water. Um, it's the same place where they took their animals to get drinks, same place where they washed their clothes, same place where they took baths, um, and same place where everybody in the village north of them <laughs> did the same things, and the water just rolls right on down. We've seen uh, old musty wells that people have been drawing water out for decades that are um, contaminated as well. And we've been able to look into the eyes of people whose hearts have been filled with gratitude for the clean water that they now enjoy. And this year, I don't know if you've been keeping up with, with some of the news going on in Eastern Africa, but there's a really alarming crisis there in the countries of, of Ethiopia and Somalia. There's tremendous famine, tremendous drought um, actually, uh, Living Water sends out kind of a monthly um, e-newsletter, and uh, they had this. You can go ahead and put it up there on screen. I'll read it for you. Uh, it says, urgent action needed. Ethiopian government asks Living Water for help. Ethiopian Water Bureau officials say Living Water International is uniquely equipped to save lives in regions others cannot reach. Water authorities in Ethiopia's drought and famine-devastated Barana Zone have asked Living Water to mobilize our small and medium-sized drill rigs to remote areas along the Kenyan border that larger local equipment cannot reach, and we need your help. The drought is so severe in the Barana zone that it has killed more than 300,000 cattle, and their stench fills the air. Some villages where we are drilling have not seen rain for over two years. The land is parched, but there is water just 300 feet underground. Please help us help villages access it. This famine response requires funds above what Living Water has budgeted for in 2011, but the need is desperate. We need your additional help. As we prepare to celebrate Christmas and the coming of our King, prepare the way by offering clean water in His name to victims of famine and drought. And so our desire this year um, is to send a gift uh, towards uh, Ethiopia through Living Water to help them uh, meet those needs um, so the gospel can also be proclaimed as well. Um, the water's a little bit deeper. In, in Central America, you can build one of those hand pump wells for about $5,000. Um, you've got to go deeper underground in places um, in the Sahara Desert area. So it's going to cost about $9,000 to build a, a well there. So that's one place that we want to send our money to here this Advent season. 
In addition to the water crisis in our world, we've also brought to your attention quite a bit in, in, the, in recent years the, um, one, another huge problem going on uh, in our world, which is the, the problem of, of orphans. Um, I've seen a lot of different reports this week. I kind of tried to, to zone in on, you know, do we have a, an accurate number? It's a very hard number to predict. But the most consistent number that I've been able to come across um, is that there are about 140 million orphans around the world. And as I've shared with you in the past, it's really hard for us. Our human minds aren't wired to understand those kinds of numbers. We, we haven't seen 140 million people at once. Uh, we've seen a football stadium with maybe 70 or 100,000 at the most, and so we have some concept of what that looks like. But 140 million is just beyond us, um, our ability to comprehend. Um, but God's heart for the orphan children in our world can be found throughout the scriptures, most notably in a verse like James 127. We have that. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So towards that end, many of you guys are aware that we've been involved with an organization called World Orphans, um, and we are partnering with a church here in St. Joe called The Edge, and uh, we are partnering with, with them in Nicaragua to build uh, an orphanage there. Um, it has been kind of a long process uh, working through the details of construction with them. But um, last year during Advent, we raised $10,000 to go towards uh, getting the construction off the ground. It's going to be a home that's going to house uh, 12 orphans at a time. There'll be two families, a husband and wife that live there that care for these kids and provide them the, the love that they need. Um, so this year we're looking to raise about another 9500 which will uh, help finish up the construction um, and also pay for their um, just regular monthly needs of food and clothing and electricity, all those things to keep the orphanage up and going. Currently they're, uh, they're in the process of breaking ground and, and getting construction going right now. Um, there's two boys that have been identified to be in that home. I've showed you a picture of one of them. Um, Eduardo up there on the left, uh, he's the first child that will be living there, um, and just kind of a little bit about his story. And then in the bottom right uh, is Andre, who is 12, uh, who I actually met um, on my trip there last, uh, last spring. And the man in the picture there is Pastor Ed, uh, who's the pastor of a church um, there in Bluefields, Nicaragua. So not only are we going to be donating money towards this, we're also going to be planning a trip there in, in late, mid to late February. I'm going to have those dates for you next weekend um, to tell you about when we're going to be going. Um, so what we're specifically asking you to do, if I just want to boil it down kind of uh, <clears throat> from the, the video, you kind of got this as well, is we're asking you to kind of consider, you can go ahead and thank you, um, is... You know, let's just as throwing out some numbers here. Let's say that maybe you normally spend about $500 on Christmas, might be more or less than that. What we're asking you to do is, is maybe spend half of that on actual material things like you normally would buy, um, and then maybe set aside the other half that you're saving, the other $250, um, to give away uh, to something meaningful uh, here at Christmas. And uh, we'd also love you to kind of spread the word to your family, so maybe instead of getting that gift card or that, you know, yearly whatever soup of the month club membership you get from Aunt Ethel somewhere, you might just call her up and say, hey, you know what I'd really love this year is if you could just donate uh, some money towards Advent Conspiracy to help 
drill wells and help provide an orphanage for uh, our church and the people involved here. So um, in the days ahead, like I said, also we'll be posting some things on our website to, to give you some creative ideas of other ways that you can bless and, and uh, give gifts to your family that might be more relational um, and, and not quite as impersonal as some of the things that we usually choose to, to give. Um, now, what I want to say as we kind of wrap up this morning is that well, all this stuff that we've talked about could really be a blessing to other people if we really kind of reevaluate and, and, and reallocate our funds. Um, it really could reflect God's heart. It's still possible to do all of that, to take this movement seriously, take some steps to really look at how you spend money, um, but still miss the message of this whole season. You see, while much of the country during the holidays is filling themselves up. And what I mean by that is that we, we tend to fill ourselves up, our time, with parties and shopping and gift wrapping and cooking and on all these things. We fill ourselves up. Um, we fill our credit cards up. We fill up our waistlines. We fill up our emotions with holiday expectations of what that visit from your son or daughter or parent or somebody is going to do for you at Christmas. Advent is calling us to do something totally different than that. You see, Advent is a season that is a time of waiting and preparation. And instead of filling ourselves up, Advent is a time of emptying ourselves in anticipation of the coming of the Christ child. It's about creating space in our hearts that we might receive Christ to fully grasp what the meaning of God becoming human on our, for our behalf, what that means for you and I. It's no accident in the Bible, it says that there was no room in the inn. There was no room or no space for Jesus, even at Christmas. And maybe you've had this experience, because I've had it many times um, in previous holidays, that we know as Christians that this whole season is supposed to be about Jesus. But we've gotten to the end of it. You know, December 25th, and all the dust is settled, and the wrapping paper's all over the place, and our, our kids are whiny and grumpy because they haven't gotten sleep, and we've kept their schedule just kind of going like nuts, and, and the parents kind of all collapse. I mean, I remember Christmases, you know, staying up till like two in the morning, putting together some train set or some ridiculous thing like that. And so we're all just worn out. And I remember so many years kind of looking back over that experience, thinking, you know, I've made it to the end, and I don't really know that I'm any closer to Christ or to God than I was when December began. And that's a tragedy, because I really didn't get out of the season what God intended. In the last three years, we've tried to become more intentional about creating space. And so this year, one of the things that I do to kind of help me um, stay focused is I read through this devotional book called Preparing for Jesus. I sent an email to a lot of you about this book um, it's, a, it's daily devotionals about Advent and the coming of Christ, and, and um, you can go online. you still got about 10 days. It starts December 1st is the first day in here, um, and grab it if you'd like to kind of read, uh, to stay focused on, on Christ. Our God came in the flesh, and he came desiring relationship, and he came to enter our story as humans. One of my favorite Christmas carols is Joy to the World, because Joy to the World that kind of beckons us with this call. It says, let every heart prepare him room. 
That's what this season is supposed to be about. I want to share with you just a little passage from here as we close today. It says, Finally then, how shall we prepare in these days, while yet there are days and time? By what activity should we make ourselves ready? Why? By meditating on his first coming. For though the future may be hidden from us, the past is not, and the one can teach us the other. The story of the birth of Jesus is open before us. We have a spiritual and holy account of the time when God himself directed preparations for that first coming of his son into the world. What God ordains is always good. Therefore, those preparations may be the perfect pattern for our own this year. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The people who heard the news of that first advent were no less human than we. They moved through complex stages of response, doubt, fear, questioning, the obedience of love, the obedience of legalism, joy and song, despair and anger. There were groups of people, shepherds, the magi, innocent children. There were individuals, Zachariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, Anna, Herod. Some concluded their preparations in faith, some in fury. Any one of these might be you, my friend, or me. But we have the advantage now of meditation and quietness and confidence to choose the right response and by the grace of the present spirit of Jesus to practice the right preparation for the coming of the Lord in glory. So let us enter the story one more time. In this present season of Advent, let us experience the infant's Advent in the past and so make ourselves ready for the Advent of the Lord of glory in the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't want to miss you this Christmas. And Lord, I know as we kind of, we kind of stand on the, the, the precipice of, of this week that, that's coming before us of Black Friday and post-Thanksgiving shopping, and um, Lord, we need to make decisions now about what this holiday is going to look like for us and for our families, how we're going to worship, how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to spend our money what we're going to teach our children about what the story of Christmas really means and how as Christians do we respond based on that story. We've got so many opportunities, God, to, to develop our, ourselves and, and our children a heart for you, a heart that reflects your gift of, of yourself, of relationship, that that is more important than any material thing that we can, we can give. Heavenly Father, we know that there are just extreme needs in our world, that Christmas is a time when people are used to, to saving some money aside to spend, God, that we could really make a dent in the needs of this world by reallocating some money to some different things. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to do that. But Lord, I pray that it would all be, all be fueled by a love for you, God, that you came as a king but you chose to be poor so that you would just be unencumbered by the things of this world. You wouldn't be distracted so that you could just completely give and love. Lord, help us strip away the things, Lord, that um, just are unimportant so that we can focus on the things that, that your heart is really about. Lord, we're heading into communion right now, and God, it's a time for us to really remember your sacrifice for us. God, that through your blood, you drew us near. So Lord, as we come to you and pray and just take a couple minutes of silence just to connect with you, Lord, I'm thinking about that song that we sang earlier today called I Repent. 
God, there might be some things that we need to repent of. Maybe the way in which we look at this season, the way that we've celebrated or not celebrated in the past. And Lord, you give us an opportunity. But Lord, more than anything, God, you, you give us the opportunity to, be, to draw near to you and to know you. And God, as we come to know you, our hearts will be changed. So I pray that that would be our prayer. But Lord, we just give you this time of silence right now to pray that you would speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name.